Hola, hello, hi, bienvenido, and welcome back, or welcome to Mentors Today. Ileana, how are you? How's life in Guadalajara today? Hi, hi, Ralph. Hi, everybody. Nice. Everything's fine. Happy. Still my birthday month, so I'm still celebrating all the month. Your birthday was like two weeks ago, but we are still celebrating. Yes. <laughs> That's it. I think more people should celebrate birthday months, not just birthday days. Yes. But... You have to celebrate the, the life. <laughs> now, I, I, yes. I'm, I'm going to kick it over to you to, to introduce our guest, and I will, I will tie in a little birthday thing. I think I saw on Instagram this weekend that she was out somewhere in Mexico celebrating her boyfriend's birthday, if I, if I interpreted the, the, the posts correctly. So it is birthday month in Mexico. Yeah. Okay, so I would love to introduce our guest of the day. Today we are very happy to be joined by Monica Campos. Monica Campos is an accomplished professional with extensive experience in innovation and corporate development. Currently, she serves as the innovation ecosystem head at Nestle Mexico, located in Mexico City. In this role, she leads all-in ecosystem, which connects top startups with Nestle to co-create innovative solutions to enhance the quality of for their customers. Monica's professional journey is marked by notable positions in renowned organizations. Prior to joining Nestlé, she worked at Copen, where she excelled in originating and established strategic alliances as part of the corporate development team. Before that, she held the position of Head of Corporate Innovation Latam and Spain at FCS, driving innovation initiatives in the region and began her career as commercial director at Bluebox. Monica holds a master's in business technology from Collective Academy and completes the in-company program on corporate venture capital and open innovation at the Padre Business School. She earns her bachelor degree in business administration from Universidad Latina de America. Monica, muchísimo gusto. Uh, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you here. Welcome to Mentors Today. Hi, Ile. Nice to meet you through this podcast. <laughs> yes. I'm very hello, happy hello. and excited to be here. Thank you, Rob, for inviting me. And thank you for the very warm welcome. I just want to point at something that Rob already mentioned. Yes, you were correct. It was my <laughs> birthday this week. And it was my birthday two weeks ago, so oh, I'm actually celebrating oh. my birthday month. <laughs> so, yes, you were so Which right. Which day is, is your birthday? <laughs> On May 5th. 5th? Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> ah, Cinco de Drinco, dijo el Rob. The, 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 fake, the, fake, the, fake, the fake gringo holiday. We're only celebrating. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yeah. Mine, mine is ten, May 10th, so here in Mexico is Dia de las Madres, so... Same. We are holidays, birthday day persons. <laughs> and, you, and, you, and you both have been celebrating all month. And then next month is my birthday, so I fully expect everybody to celebrate all June for me. So. Yeah, totally. We'll celebrate from you, yeah. It's, it's awesome to see you again, Monica. It's been some time since we've seen each other, even though we've, we've stayed in touch over all the years. I, as I think about it now, I think like that whole bio introduction of yours basically has happened since I met you. Yes, totally. Like you, 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 had, you had like just recently finished university. Exactly. <laughs> when we were meeting and now the rest of this life has happened, which has been a wonderful and full life. So it's, it's awesome to see that. Not surprising yeah. to me at all. 
Yeah, thank you, Rob. It was very, it, it's actually good that you have been in all of my journey, as you mentioned. So you, you have like the first road in my career. Right. <laughs> it's, it's been pretty cool. It's been very, it's been enjoyable to watch happen over the years. We've stayed connected. We've interacted in some things. We've almost partnered and collaborated a few times and, and we know we have lots and lots of people in common. So today it's fun to bring it to get together with Ileana and then just the rest of our audience, which is a lot of the same people. So with that having been said, right, like let's talk a little about, about you. Let's talk about that journey. Um, you know, help us help us understand kind of your story, but really like the story of how you got involved in this world of entrepreneurship and innovation, honestly, at such a young age. Like that's a there's a unique starting point for you. Um, that basically you built on. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what were you doing in university right before I met you that got you um, aware and invited into this entrepreneurship world? Yes, of course. And it was actually before I finished uh, university. So let's go back uh, 10 years ago. <laughs> well, 11 years ago, I was just starting. Well, first, I will say a few things about how I entered to university. The first thing is that I actually wanted to study medicine when okay. I was younger, but at some point in my, before university, I in Mexico we do like one specialty before going to university. So in that specialty, I realized that I didn't really want to see blood. <laughs> it was not natural for uh, me. Okay. I decided like, what else do I want to do? Well, I like money. So maybe I should do something with money and, and, and something like that. Um, I, I really like at that moment because I really didn't knew anything about it, but I really like like the uh, macroeconomic environment and that kind of thing. So I was deciding between uh, study economy or study business administration or other careers like uh, law for example, but I decided to go for business administration because at the end I, I wanted to do something with business. And um, I decided to go with that. That's one thing. But I really didn't knew what I wanted to do with that career. It was just, I like business. Let's do something with that. Um, with that in mind, I go to university. And in my second semester, someone, a friend, invited me to a contest that it was called uh, Cinepolis Sitcamp. Cinepolis is the second largest cinema chain in the world. And it's actually from my hometown, that is Morelia, Michoacán. So they made this hackathon that it's called Cinepolis Sitcamp, or it was called because it no longer exists anymore. But um, they made this hackathon in order to invite students that wanted to propose new ideas to add value for, for the people that goes to the movies and bring new proposals. That was it. So I went to the hackathon for a whole weekend and it was a surprise because it was really fun. It was something that I really didn't understood. Let's think that 10, 11 years ago, nobody was talking about innovation. So if you, if someone told you like a hackathon in Mexico, they will make you it's like what's a hackathon what are you talking about yeah maybe in the, it happened to me the same yeah yeah yeah. maybe in the u.s they were more like familiarized but um, in mexico nobody was talking about this i decided to participate i enjoyed it a lot and by surprise my team won um, wow this this is remind, remind me a lot of my story <laughs> 
I actually at the university it happened the same to me. I went to a hackathon without knowing what what was what was about, mm-hmm. and then my team ended up winning too. The, <laughs> ma- the magic of the hackathons. Exactly. This is why you are the powerful women leaders of Mexico. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, bro. But it's good to hear that because at the end, that's the purpose of a, a hackathon, like to be uh, like this first step for talent in order to propose new ideas and then see what you can do with these ideas. But it's like the first step of so many entrepreneurs and people that is disrupting the industry right now. So I really love that about hackathons. And I know that some people (laughs) may say that they don't lead you to anything, but they do lead you to something that is talent. And I believe that that's the, the foundations of everything that we have in this ecosystem. So um, that's the first step. I I was very happy. Uh, but what I want to tell you about the hackathon is that it really changed the mindset that I had. Mm. Until that moment, I was just a student from a small town from Mexico that is called Morelia that wanted to study business administration because she or I didn't really knew what to do with my life. I didn't knew, well, I did knew that I didn't want to study medicine. I did knew that I like money, economic, environments, business, but I didn't really knew anything else. Just that yeah. maybe this was the, the, the path that I wanted to. to you, you, knew, you knew for sure you didn't want to be a doctor and see blood. Exactly. That's it. So that's pretty good. Like we've already eliminated one big path and now you're discovering another one. But uh, with the hackathon, I, I changed my mindset. Because I understood that there was more in this world than uh, my small town and my university. And from a small town girl, that was a huge, huge thing to, to, to find. Maybe not in a larger towns like Mexico City or uh, there's, we've got we've got another small we've got another small town girl right here. She's because Ile, <laughs> even though she's in Guadalajara, she's originally from La Paz. Yes, there's nothing. And I, I knew from that moment that I wanted to do something more significant with my life and to to see what else I can bring to this table. So I won. Cinepolis bought the idea. We decided not to continue with the project because they did give us the chance to incubate the project, but we decided not to do it. They pay us. And from that moment, something happened that is... Um, the founder of a company that is now called Blue Box in that moment didn't have really Blue Box uh, created. It was just an idea. So he was the person that did this hackathon for Cinepolis. And when my team won, Cinepolis told him this is something good. It was a very first exercise, but uh, we want more. So now go and create something new and bring us uh, the next level of this hackathon in order to implement that. So he come back to me and told me, well, Cinepolis just asked me this. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I will do something. Do you want to join me? And I was like, hell yeah. You don't have to more. Uh, let's do this. You're like, um, this is pretty cool. Like, this is fun. Yeah. I, I don't know nothing about innovation or what you're talking about, but uh, we will figure it out. Yeah. So, from that moment, uh, I started as the first uh, team member from Blue Box. Uh, we created another hackathon that is what actually called Startup Weekend. We did one in Morelia uh, with the vertical of tourism. And we were exploring 
some new team members added to the comp were added to the company. And at the end, what we created was the first corporate accelerator for Cinepolis. It was a corporate accelerator that wanted to make an open call for startups that were in the entertainment industry in order to incubate them, maybe uh, try to see what they can add to Cinepolis model. But it was a very disruptive accelerator because it was the first one. The first the- of the kind, no? Because I, 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 in that time, nobody has a corporate uh, incubator. Exactly. There were accelerators, but uh, like ecosystem accelerators like Waira and Devor and that's it. But it was the first corporate accelerator by a, by a Mexican corporation. So we did this first accelerator. Long story short, it was a very successful one. Cinepolis have new ideas, but they, again, told us um, we need more. Uh, it's not just incubate these ideas. What do we do with them? So we created the second uh, volume or the second uh, stage of the accelerator. And what we had was to do pilots with these startups. So that's the second stage. Again, it was a very good acceleration process. But from that moment, we, we already have an innovation or an acceleration methodology. And that was something that it was very uh, new in this ecosystem. So other corporates hear about us and called us in order to get one accelerator also. So I don't remember well, forgive me, but I think that our second client was Axtel or Alestra because they changed name names. Okay. Uh, but it's this telecommunications company from the north of Mexico. We have that accelerator, it's called Nave. Then another type of clients like Polaris and Mediotiempo.com came also uh, to us and in order to do or explore this type of innovation models. And we started growing up. To be honest, this is something that was very particular because I was founding team member. I was playing in every type of role. Uh, like making copies to pitch into clients. So uh, it was a very good experience. And it was very also good because I get the chance to meet really nice people, people that I still work with in different areas. But at the end, it was a very good thing. And to not make this longer, what happened next was that at some point, I was very good doing innovation methodologies and understanding corporates. So that's when I became the commercialization or or commercial director. And one corporate came to me and and to our company in order to do like this acceleration process, but with one thing added. That is, um, they wanted to make this model uh, in order to invest in startups, not only like to accelerate them and make pilots. So, This corporation was Grupo Bimbo. And in a few months, what we created was the first accelerator for Grupo Bimbo for their business units that it's called Bimbo Ventures. Bimbo Ventures started, if I don't mess up, in 2015. So you can can double check the Bimbo Ventures uh, story by going back to like episode 60 of our podcast. (laughs) I'll check it out. When we we were lucky enough to interview Maria Morphine and Maria Maria shared much of the story. 
yeah, uh, that's which, is, nice. which is great. I didn't realize the, the tie-in between the two of you. That's yeah, awesome. actually, Ma I didn't get the chance to work with Maria uh, because Maria joined Bimbo Ventures a few years ago. Yeah. But I, I get the chance to work with uh, Jose Manuel Ramirez that was the first Bimbo Ventures director. I yeah, believe that. So she mentioned. Yeah. So with Jose Manuel Ramirez, we launched Eleva in 2016. And from that moment, everything changed. I think that for Blue Box, that opened us so many doors. And we have, we, we created a lot of initiatives after that with Grupo Bimbo that we replicate with other corporates. But I, I think that the most important thing that I make in, in Blue Box was this ecosystem for, for Grupo Bimbo. It was a very good thing and I'm very grateful to leave it. But um, with that in mind, What I learned from Grupo Bimbo is how to invest in startups. How do corporates need to invest in startups? How to work efficiently or, or make this relationship better between a startup and a corporation? And how to think as partners, not as investors or as accelerators. Because Bimbo really gets this point of being partners yeah. in these businesses. And I really love that. So Grupo Bimbo teach me more than I believe that I teach them about <laughs> innovation. But um, when I reached that point, uh, I started to think, okay, what's next? I already managed the clients. I already developed Bimbo's account. I am already opening a new office because in that moment we were opening office in, in Chile. So I started to think some things and another things happened. I really love Blue Box, but we started to having some uh, internal issues. So transitions happen. Yeah, transitions yes. happen. And I decided um, what happened. Why did you decide to uh, took another path? Uh, and I think that in all startups, there are different timings for different people. So you have the founding teams, members uh, that actually put the foundations. But at the end, uh, you will need other people that has more structure, that brings other things to the table that you cannot bring because you already were in this company for so many years. I, I think that it's it's not a particular problem. Yeah. It was just that it, my timing in Blue Box was, uh, was it? Was I, it? I no longer, yeah. yeah, I no longer had anywhere else to grow. Uh, and I will give you an example. For example, some, someone told me, open a new country. Yes, to put the same thing that I have been doing for the past eight years. So putting a new office wasn't really the next challenge that I, I wanted. I yeah. wanted to learn more. Yeah, you were, you were, I mean, you've essentially established yourself. I'll say this, exactly. my, like you've established your, your timing established yourself as my words, like one of the experts in this space in the country or in the region right now. So yeah. it was also like natural timing for you to move on to yeah. use those experiences in new ways, right? Exactly. As, as opposed to just expanding something that you already kind of, and also, I mean, you had been there since you were super young. Yeah, I mean, so like, it was my only experience. Like 18 to 24 is like a whole, that's a lifetime. Exactly. Right? For, both career or personally. I mean, so, yeah. yeah. So, all right. So, awesome story. Thank you. There's like a <laughs> lot, there's a there's a ton to unpack there, but it's very clear how you got involved. I will say, Ilya and I talk about this often. It's funny how the thread throughout many of our episodes of how things got started, like in Mexico or how things got started in Latin America, 
ties back to basically startup weekends mm-hmm. or or hackathons. Like hackathons. There's, there's, yeah. there's, it's like everybody, no matter what level they're at, somewhere along the way, they got crossed over through a startup weekend or a hackathon type event, exactly. which, is, which is really cool. So, all right. So let's talk about current day. Uh, so Ilay yeah. transitioned us through like kind of how you left, why you left. So let's talk about, let's talk about the current day a little bit. So yeah. Talk to us about, so the, the program that you had inside of Nestle is called All In. Is that, is Correct. that, okay. So tell us about All In and tell us about what you guys are doing at Nestle. And then we'll ask a bunch of follow-up questions that'll kind of take us a little bit deeper. So. Yes. Um, first, I'll just type uh, this comment to uh, my last story. So when I left, I decided that I wanted to do this, but to have a bigger impact directly by doing it in a corporation. So that's when I went to Coppel and now to Nestle. But Nestle in particular, when I decided to take this uh, challenge, I really like it because uh, the food industry is the one of the industries that I believe that has the larger impact in our society because we provide food for people. We also have the challenge to reverse climate change at some point. Mm. We are one of the most contaminant industries. That's why. (laughs) Not company, industries, food and beverage. It's the industry. So that's why I decided to come to Nestle to work at the largest food and beverage company in the world to, to make a larger impact. So when I came to Nestle, we already have this all-in program, but at the moment it was just an entrepreneurship program in order to boost the entrepreneurship culture among the Mexican company. Okay. So uh, the first step that we did was to change that and to um, go to a stage two in order to change it to an innovation ecosystem. And what we understood at that point as an innovation ecosystem is that um, we have this entity that connects us with external partners that have different uh, value propositions. These external partners could be students, could be um, academics, could be startups, of course, scale-ups, but also could be other corporations. At the end, what we know at Nestle is that innovation doesn't depend of the stage of a company of an idea. It's just value propositions that are outside and that we have the possibility to boost those value propositions through our infrastructure. So all in is that, all is is the innovation ecosystem that connects our current and future needs and our current and future needs also of the industry with external opportunities in order to revolutionize the industry that we're in and make this impact that I already mentioned. That's basically all in. Uh, we have different strategies and basically we do ideas incubation, we have accelerators, we have uh, open calls for startups that doesn't have an acceleration process, but we do have open call for startups. We have relationship with universities, venture funds, incubators, accelerator governments. At the end, anything that we can do, we will do it. We just have very few initiatives uh, at this moment, but that's basically all in and what we're trying to pursue with this innovation ecosystem that we just launched on February from this year. Awesome. Do you have already some stories that you can share with us of startups or products or initiatives that have been part of the program? 
Yes. Um, well, it depends. The first thing that I will say about Olin is that um, we, we have three different verticals. The first one is sustainability. Uh, for Nestle, not for only Olin, and not only for Nestle Mexico, one of our pillars of transformation is our path through sustainability. We want to become a zero carbon footprint company by 2050. So sustainability is a huge pillar for us. Then we have everything related with food tech and also anything related with digital. With these three uh, verticals in mind, we have different initiatives and different type of relationships. I will mention some of them. For example, uh, we just launched our accelerator that it's called B2B Exponential. We launched that with Endeavor also in February. And this initiative or accelerator was created in order to transform the uh, traditional channel in Mexico that we call uh, Tienditas de Abarrotes. So what we want to do is to digitalize all the Tienditas de Abarrotes in order to improve and make them grow. That, that's basically it. So anything related to this channel and this digitalization, we're looking for it. Actually, we're going to have the pitch day on Wednesday. We're very excited. We're going to listen to 15 companies and their pitches, and we're going to select five of them in order to do pilots in the next few months. But that's one accelerator that we just launched, and we are um, having the, the pitch day in a few days. We also are looking, and, and you will have like the first note on this, we are going to launch an open call for startups of sustainability in the next three weeks. Uh, this will be open in June, second week of June, but we're basically looking for all of the companies that can or have different innovation proposals to reduce CO2 emissions in the environment uh, that also has proposals for packaging circularity and also can help us to lower the use of water in all of our processes. So with this um, open call that it's called Regeneración Violin, we're looking for companies or probably different innovations that can help us achieve these goals. But that's the second one. And talking about initiatives, we will be launching a few more in the, in the rest of the year, but we already have these two. And talking about startups, yes, we have different type of uh, success cases. One that I love the most is uh, one with a startup that is called Nilus. Nilus is a company that we get to know through Angel Ventures. We, okay. Angel Ventures is a fund that we are uh, LPs on the fund too, and they introduced us to this company. But they basically have like this model in which they want to eliminate food waste. That's for nothing, CPDs. Not, nothing like setting a big goal. That's a, that's yeah, a... <laughs> exactly. But uh, in a very kind way. They see two things. The first thing is, as big CPGs, we always have food waste because uh, some of the products, uh, we didn't get to sell them. So we have to, even though they're in very good conditions and even though they haven't expired, but uh, for example, if they are going to expire in the next month, we cannot sell them. That's a rule for Nestle, for example. So what do we do? We give this food to food banks or we try to do this food waste, but at the end, we do have it. All, all CPGs have it, but it, these are very good products. This is the one part of the equation. The second part of the equation is that 
they know that in countries like Mexico, poverty is very expensive. So if you evaluate or analyze the commercial value chain of CPGs, you will see that if you go to a supermarket, well, of course, it's not that it's it's not expensive, but if you go to the neighborhood that it's in La Punta del Cerro, as we yeah. said in Mexico, you will find a very similar price to the one that you had in supermarket. This is because you don't have like the, the route to market to this uh, point of sale. So what happens? El impuesto de marketing. <laughs> yeah, some um, distributor bought the emergency to, to Nestle, then they sell it to another one, or they have to, to make a larger distribution, so the cost elevates. And at the end, if you go to this neighborhood that uh, doesn't have access to supermarket, formal supermarkets or, or I don't know, OXOs or that kind of uh, point of sales that you will find in other neighborhoods, uh, you will find that the product is as expensive as the one that you have uh, in a supermarket that is more expensive in the city. So in these neighborhoods, you have people that doesn't have the same income as in urban zones. Or, or in the city. Sí. So for them, it's very expensive to buy your products. So Nilus, what they do is they became this uh, intermediary, this distributor that bought mercancy to ne from Nestle and then go to these neighborhoods and sell them through, the, they have like this, like the intermediate, like this um, vendedora, uh, seller, in the neighborhood that sells to all the neighbors through WhatsApp. So uh, this uh, person that it's called Monica, let's call it Monica. What, what she will do is to send a WhatsApp through through the whole neighbors and said, "Hey neighbor, I'm going to I don't know make make the purchase for this week yeah. uh, from Nestle. Do you want something? Yes, please send uh, me X thing. So what they do is to to receive all of this WhatsApp. Uh, Yeah, like, yeah, the moderators or exactly. they, they every, anything. They consolidate the purchase from all the monicas that they have outside, and they will negotiate a pricing point that is better for for them because they are buying in a so much more volume than the the they than, can do than by the themselves. Individual consumer can, yeah. So they they, they essentially set up like a, a more informal distribution channel with like sales agents that are embedded in local neighborhoods, almost like an Avon lady or like exactly. a, right? yeah, like that. Right? That's the same thing. It's like an Avon lady. But at the end, what I like about Nilos is that we're selling through them, of course, product that it's uh, line products, but also food waste. Mm -hmm. So at the end, What we're doing is if I have a product that it's going to expire in two months, they will set it in a week. So I no longer have this thing that I cannot sell in because they do can. So uh, they don't have these policies like other supermarkets that don't allow me to put this in, in their channel. But at the end, I like that about them. We are lowering the food waste and really uh, giving a better price to this uh, segment with a very better value proposition. And we're helping them to obtain our products in a lower price. And at the end, making poverty being less, less expensive than it already is. I really like that company because of that. Uh, we have, of course, transformational relationships with startups that are in other lines, but this 
I really like because it's something that it's not only for business, it's also helping this segment to have a better life and, and to take care of their income in a better way. Yeah, that's awesome. And I was I was thinking now, Nestle is an um, international monster. It's huge. So um, I wonder if, if these initiatives or if there's another, in another country, uh, a program like this, or did you share like these kind of initiatives with, with, other, with other countries or how do you, or, or this is something very unique from Mexico? Well, this is something very unique from Mexico. Uh, first, Nestle is the largest food and beverage company in the world. So we have operations, if I'm not wrong, in 183 countries. But each country has its own innovation strategy. Okay. It's not, well, of course, we have things that are centralized, but uh, each market has a different innovation strategy because markets are different. So we, we cannot implement something that is the same from the U.S. to Mexico. But we do are very aligned with the Latin America zone. So we work with Brazil, with Chile, and with Argentina very closely in order to share portfolio, in order to share best practices. But at the end, all in only responds to Mexican market. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Like, if there's an all in, I don't know, India or something. <laughs> Not yet, but let's let's hope my boss uh, from Latin America. <laughs> Maybe we'll do volume from Latin America. <laughs> yeah, will be awesome. That's cool. Um, I, I have a curious question. It's kind of like a little bit bigger picture. So bubble up from Nestle for a minute, right? So you've been you've been involved, as we said, in this corporate innovation space now for you know a major chunk of your life, right? So um, talk to us about that. Like, help me understand what are you seeing? Like, what trends are you seeing? Either things that Nestle is embracing and sharing with the market or just observations that you've seen and that you hear about because you're in the you're at the panel or the conference where they're talking about corporate innovation, right? It wasn't that long ago that corporate innovation, entrepreneurship, like these corporate venturing was a joke. Like it was a non-existent part of the economy, right? So is it is it becoming more mainstream? That's one question. Um, and and then if it is becoming more mainstream, like what what benefits and or challenges do you see? Okay. Um, I do think that it's becoming more mainstream. Uh, I do Still small that, though. Yeah, it, it's small because at the end, this is like only for business. It's not something that everybody is going to, to know about this. It's, it's, that's, I think, the reason. But at the end, I, I think that if you go... As besides from the food and beverage industry, you will see a lot of innovation efforts from different corporates and you will see them in, in different sizes of corporations. So you will see small businesses trying to do open innovation. You will see medium-sized businesses doing venture capital. You will see, of course, large businesses as Nestle doing it. But I think that it's something that is more mainstream. I think that uh, the business ecosystem already understand more you don't have to explain yourself of what venture capital is in some ecos- in some areas so I, I do think that it's more mainstream but at the end it's a specialty it's like uh, of course I'm saying this because I have been working in this 10 years but uh, of course if someone asks me about I don't know 
strategy methodologies, well, I'm not the person to talk about this. I think that it's a specialty from different areas. But with that in mind, yes, I think that it's mainstream for the yeah. people that it's in the innovation field. So what kind of what kind of challenges, right? So what kind of so it is growing. It is becoming more of a tool for big corporates in tra- quote unquote traditional industry in in Mexico and Latin America. So so if that's true, then what types of challenges are we seeing um, to this? I think that the first thing is a little bit of misinformation that can be generated. For example, I have been hearing that hackathons are the worst thing in the world. And I said, of course, you're not going to make an IPO from an idea that comes through a hackathon, but it depends on why do you need or what do you want to achieve with the hackathon, right? Um, I, I love hackathons. Of course, I'm not going to put all my innovation strategy in hackathons, but if what I want to do is to increase the innovation culture in the company, of course, I will use this uh, instrument. So what I what I trying to say is that the first thing that happens is misinformation and because I believe that there's no one uh, size fits all uh, strategy for corporation. It depends on what you need to do. And something that we have been discussing with some peers in the industry is that some of the New corporations don't understand that if you don't have culture, anything that you will put on the table will not grow because at the end you need the people in order to grow anything that you want in the company. And if people don't understand innovation or if you don't have the culture to have this innovation, you will not follow up on anything. So I think that that's the first point. Misinformation, there's no one size fits all. Talking about innovation, every vehicle is valid depending on your organization needs um the second thing is talent since we want or are doing more innovation areas we need more talent that knows about innovation about venture capital about startups about lean methodologies and there's no so much talent in the market so that's the second thing second problem to have or find the talent or to well, incubate yourself, the talent. Yeah. That's the second. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think about it like just in the context of this show, right? So we here's Ileana who worked at Tech de Monterey Innovation at, at Endeavor. Here's you who worked for two or three different big corporations. We already referred to Maria Morphine who came along into Nestle or into Bimbo after you, right? So I mean, we've had yeah. seventy, we've had seventy-five guests on the show. Probably twenty-five of them have been people tied to this, and that's still too small of a universe. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. But, but so, that's a happy problem. It's a problem, yeah. but it's a happy problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's good that the industry is growing. So um, it's a problem at the end for us. We don't have the the, the whole hands for, for, for making these initiatives. But I will say that those are the two problems that I see. There's probably more, but uh, the ones yeah. that I can call are those two. We already listened to all your journey and your experience, but I want to know, how has it been being a woman in these positions in, in Mexico and, and being a leader in the ecosystem for you? Has it, has it been difficult or nothing at all? It's a tricky question. Of course, <laughs> of course, it has been difficult. I will not say that I have had the most support uh, from the beginning. Of course, I, I don't have it. And I will add another thing that it's the age. So I started in this business uh, when I was 
18 years old. That was a very huge problem. But something that I, I can recall from these uh, opportunities that it gave me very huge confidence in myself. <laughs> so uh, I always mitigate the problem of being a woman and being uh, a lower age by having confidence in myself. So yes, I do have it. Ile, I don't know if you have it at some point, but yes, I, I did have it. <laughs> yeah, like I agree with you with the with the age. For me, I think it was more about the age than the gender, because everybody was like, "Are oh, you like you're so young? How what do you, would you know like in yeah. this point?" <laughs> And something that I will share is that it depends on the environment. So, for example, when I was a consultant, I didn't really have that problem because corporations, when they didn't really care about that much <laughs> they, re they really care about that um that much of being a woman and the age they did have mentioned of course but uh i could pitch to a ceo and he will mention anything or i could pitch to a coordinator and they maybe will mention it but at the end they wanted my services that's it but when i <laughs> came to the corporate environment that changed a lot because uh of course Seeing a girl that didn't start from the beginning in the company and that even though that she had started in the company, she only had 10 years experience, they, they will have to wait, I don't know, 15 years, 20 years to be in my position. Some of them, I, I will not make this general, but it, it was very hard to see people see me differently because I was a woman I was from the outside, I was very young, and they have to wait a little bit longer than me in yeah. order to have the position or the opportunity that I have. Uh, but yes, it, it, that's something I want to clarify. It depended. When I was an, in a startup, it didn't happen that much. But when I came to corporate, yeah. it, it's very it different, no? Changed. Yeah, it's so different. Yeah. That's what I, I was listening, and that, that's what I was thinking, like, in the corporate environment and and in, in in a really traditional industry right so food is it's you know thousand year industry right so all of a sudden you're young and you're a woman in a culture that's probably upper executive levels are dominated by men right yeah and and, and, and i will say something about nestle because i think that uh nestle is a very diverse company very very diverse company but at the end it's different because you just came to the company you're an outsider And I will not say that my, my teammates <laughs> mentioned this to me, but of course you, you can see this in a world of people that they think in a certain way, not everybody, but it's, it's different. Yeah, yeah. All right, so I have, I have one kind of big Nestle-related question and, and industry-related question. I'm curious. I think you kind of talked about this. Your big main areas of focus at Nestle are sustainability and then two others. What were the two others? Uh, digital transformation and food tech. Okay, so so those are the three kind of corporate directives, right? And and ev they apply to everything. If we were to talk more about just kind of the the trends that we see coming in the industry, so this is almost like a consumer question, right? We're just consumers of food products that Nestle makes. So I'm curious, like, what are we going to see from Nestle in the next 10 years, in the next 20 years, like? 
Are we going to see just dramatically better products or different types of products or healthier products? Or is all the packaging going to be more sustainable? Like what, what should we maybe give us like two or three things that we should we should be excited well, to look for? Yeah. Well, the first thing that you will see, it's a holistic company. What I interpret as a holistic company is that it's a company that it's not only focusing on profit, but also focusing on the impact on the families, communities, and the environment or the planet. So um, our business model already has guidelines and already has goals that are not metrics only or will have metrics for, for other things like environmental metrics. We do not only measure profit. We measure other things that are based on, on this that I already mentioned, how we impact the families, the communities, and the planet in a positive way. So that's the first thing that you will see. You already can see it. Nestle has this in the mission and the ambition of the company globally, but we are pushing forward to be more than we are already are today. So that's the first one, a more holistic company that doesn't think only about profit, but also what we are giving to the world uh, through our company. And the second thing is that Nestle has been always differentiated from the competition by one thing that it's, we are actually a nutrition company. Even though there we are a, a food and beverage, all of the things that we do are focused on how we nurture people and families. So I think that you will see more about that. Maybe we have to be more bold. We have had so many innovations in this field. For example, maternal formula milk is one of the Nestle's innovation. This is something that was developed in Mexico. Actually, this innovation really? Nestle bought it. Yeah, but way back in yeah, way back, way way back. Wow, uh, the innovations of Nestle. Uh, we are pioneers on maternal uh, milk of, or well, maternal formula. That's and super cool. We should like expose more those kind of achievements, no? Exactly. I think we just so, did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you will see and we want to give more of those things. And this is not commercial. Of course, we support uh, lactancia uh, materna. Yeah. Breastfeeding, yeah, um, breastfeeding. Yeah. we support that. But if you cannot breastfeed by some reason, you can always give formula that will be healthy for your babies. But uh, we will want to, to bring new innovations like this. For example, another innovation in the food field is uh, Nespresso. That's an innovation yeah. from Nestle. It's more, well, it's healthy because it's coffee, but it's it's more like an, an experience than a product, right? Yeah. But you will see more about that, uh, how we keep creating products that are for nutritious, nutrition of the people and the families and the communities. We want that. to be improving in that. And I think that the third, uh, well, I will have a third and a fourth. The third has to also be with food, that it's, uh, we are talking about nutrition, but we do want to keep the food in the door in order to, to find these new trends. Of course, we're looking in plant-based. Of course, we already have things plant-based, but uh, maybe in the future we will talk about uh, cellular food. Sure, maybe. synthetic, cellular, yeah. yeah, right? 
when that's regulated and when that's proven that it's good for people, but if this is something that can add value to people, we will definitely look at it. So that's like the first thing. How can we make things in order to have better food? And the fourth, but not least, is uh, new business models. We're always looking for new ways to achieve the customer expectation. So right now we are a very traditional company. We sell to distributors. Distributors go and put the, the food in the point of sale. But uh, we're looking for new ways to serve in different formats. Sure. Oh, you get you gave you gave an example with that Nilos example, right? That's a that's not exactly. only a new company and a new partnership, but it's a it's an innovative business model. It's a different way to sell, right? It's exactly. a diff, different way to access product priced differently for different markets, more exactly. personalized, more uh, social, responsible business model. That's fascinating. Exactly. That's awesome. Thank yeah. you. That's 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 a really clear picture of Nestle. Yeah. Well, now we would love you to uh, become the mentor of the day. You already have teaches a lot, but uh, we would love you to share with us three pieces of advice for our audience. Uh, it could be in whenever you want. It will be. It can be something personal or something that has to do with business or or anything you want to share. Yes, of course. Um, well, I grow some things that I think I can uh, share with you. The first thing, and it's very thrilled, is. It's very thrill, I'm sorry, but it's think big and fail fast. This sounds like the typical thing that someone will tell you, but if I can tell you how many times I have failed and nobody noticed, you wouldn't believe me. Uh, <laughs> I know that I'm not in the top of the mountain, but I think that I have been growing very well in the years. And the thing that has made me came to where I am right now is that I always have the chance and always give me the opportunity to fail and always think big. And some people say that I have a very huge confidence in myself, but at the end, um, if you don't believe in yourself, who else is going to do it? That's also very true. But I, I think that these are like the basic things that they nobody teach you in school for are like the most important lessons that you should be hold on in your entire life. So that's the first thing. Then um, following up on that, uh, you always have a no for an answer again. So yeah. you will not lose anything to ask uh, for a job, for an opportunity, for a new client, for a vacation, for a boyfriend, for whatever you have or want. You always have a no for an answer already given. So if you ask, the worst thing that can happen is to, that they will say yes, and you will have to figure it out how you're going to do it. <laughs> but um, it's also very thrill, but it's it, it surprised me that I get to know so many people that don't allow them, themselves to ask because they're so afraid and and the worst thing that happened is that they will tell you no, and you already knew that, and that's it. And uh, the third thing, and it's also personal, uh, it's related to what Ile was asking about being a woman and, and being young, is that uh, one of the biggest learnings that I have had in the St. years is that the only one that defines you is yourself. 
So you, of course, are going to find people that it's super kind uh, and that will uh, appreciate you and give you the place that you deserve and respect you. But you will also have the other side of the coin of people that doesn't respect you, that doesn't believe in you, that uh, think that you are here because you're pretty or because you knew someone or because, I don't know, they, you will always have those people. So uh, I just want to tell everyone in the audience that the only people that define who you are is yourself and you have to have that in mind because this is something that I have I have heard not only for younger uh, women but also from from people with more more much more experience than me you will always find someone that thinks that you deserve less or someone that thinks that you don't belong here uh, it doesn't matter your age it doesn't matter your gender it doesn't matter your experience it's just that uh, there's two sides of the coins always, um, the good one and the bad one. So my third advice is that the only one that defines who you are is yourself, um, and you should hold on to that. Super. Yeah. Super. We, love, we, we love a prepared guest. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Monica. Um, before we leave, um, well, thank you so much for all the, sí. the wisdom that you just shared with us, and it's awesome to discover that Companies like Nestlé are like betting, yeah, betting in in innovation and in in such way like that I didn't even <laughs> imagine that it was possible. Yeah, well, thank you so much for your sí. time and sí, that was awesome. Share with us where we can find you in social media, where we we can um, share with our audience the like the applications for all in and everything. Yes, of course. And and before doing that, I uh, just wanted to say that thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to talk about my experience with you and to hear about your opinions also. So um, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm as Monica Campos. Uh, I think that there are just a few Monica Campos, so it should be no problem. You're the one whose profile photo looks like you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if you have uh, questions, I'm the one that works at Nestle, Mexico, so <laughs> that should help you a lot. Um, but yes, that's one way to to find me. And the other way to find me is going through uh, our all-in website. Um, so you basically will go to allin.com. Um, that MX, uh, that's basically the website, and you will find uh, anything related to all in there. You will have ha find the open calls. You will find my contact. Awesome. We'll put that. We'll get those listed. We'll put them in the show notes too, so people can, you can follow. Find them in the show notes. Click through link and then apply to programs. Um, I'll just say a quick uh, personal thank you. One of the things I said to uh, the person that was with me 20 minutes after I met you in 2016 was. Wow. Like she is super confident, but humble and like really professional for a 19 or 20 year old, whatever you were at that time. Right. So like, it's great for me to see just personally gratifying for me to see this many years later, you're completely grown, completely mature, but basically the same person, um, which, which is the ultimate compliment, right? You've, you've evolved and matured in your experiences and your perspectives. But the truth is you have that same foundation. Um, you are still bright as ever um, and engaging and thoroughly prepared. You, you're 
Ely and I were joking, it's easy to interview someone like you because you basically are interviewing yourself. Like you're so prepared. <laughs> um, so it was awesome. It was really, it was great to see you. And thank you for sharing so much about Nestle and so much about just what's going on in this space, because I, I tend to agree, Ily and I believe like you do, that this is the, there's going to be more and more of this corporate collaboration between the entrepreneurial economy and the traditional business world across Latin America and, and in the Americas. So it was awesome to see you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. And uh, the pleasure is mine. Uh, what I will say is that, as I was mentioning, uh, there are always two sides of the coin, and it's a pleasure for me to have you in the good side of the coin. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think that um, it has been a very good um, 10 years, and very happy to always share with you, with your audience, to meet Ile. If you need anything else with me, you, you can always count on that. Ile will look you up when she's in Mexico City next month. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. We'll be here. As always, we thank you so much for listening. Today's show was recorded in Los Angeles and Guadalajara, produced by Deanna Bernal in Mexico City, and promoted by the content team at Growth Hacks in Tijuana, Mexico. You can always find and share our show via any popular podcasting platform, as well as find us on social media at Mentors Today on Instagram. If you'd like to connect with our hosts, you can find them on Twitter or Instagram at I am Rob Ryan or at Ileana J-A-F. Gracias, thank you, and we'll see you next time.